Thank you for joining us today. In today's message, let's search our hearts and consider ways in which we hinder authentic worship of Almighty God. Do we always honor, adore, extol, serve, and worship Him with joyful hearts at all times and in all things? If we're honest, we'll admit that there is room for improvement. As Psalms 105 tells us, the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Listen in as Pastor Rander continues this powerful, thought-provoking message, and remember to keep pen and paper ready. You know what? Now, you just cussed me out, but I'm not going to do that. That's evil for evil. But I know every one of those words, too. I just choose by the help of God not to say them. I'm helping somebody here because y'all about, somebody about to go cut somebody out right now. <laughs> Some of y'all can't wait till tomorrow. I mean, they, tell them I know those words, too. I just choose not to say them. What value are they in this conversation? And you know what? You can straighten up a person with your disposition, with your words of wisdom, with your spiritual posture to the glory of Almighty God. And they get convicted. They say, you know what? I did that to you. And you know what? You didn't respond like I did. And that's the greater testimony of winning somebody because of your God, of the presence of God in your conversation and in your life. My goodness. And then uh, another thing about that, by difficult people, you got to realize that prayer will help us identify in the Holy Spirit how to effectively minister to difficult people. If you pray, God will show you how to minister what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say. As a matter of fact, sometimes God sovereignly places that person in your life to increase your prayer life. You say, what? Well, you better start praying. Pray pray now. If you want less difficult folk in your life, start praying. Because sometimes you're not praying enough, and so God squeeze your comfort zone by planting that person in, and they're going to be in your, and you can't get rid of them. And he'll put you in a position where you can't do anything but pray. Somebody know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) ma'am. Let me 11. Appreciation and encouragement minimizes the opportunity for jealousy and competition to exist within the body of Christ. You know, when we're affirming one another, when we're building up one another, when we're edifying one another, when we're appreciating one another, do you realize uh, competition and be caught up with your titles and positions and who you are? You know, all that stuff go out the window because they're building you up and you're building them up to the point that who cares about titles? Who cares about who you are? As a matter of fact, the ground is level at the cross. You know, the Military Appreciation Day last Sunday, I saw all this high rank and rank, and I saw stuff on people. But you know, the beauty of it is, I only know what rank they have on that day when they come in their uniform. But they're so down to earth, and they're just one of the boys or one of the girls to the point that you can say, man, I didn't realize they had that kind of rank. In other words, they don't let their rank go to their heads. And some of y'all, God can't elevate you to where he wants you to get because he knows you can't handle it. 
That's why some of y'all, he, God can't give you a raise because you can't tithe on what you got now. <laughs> Look how cool y'all, oh, the amens went right out the window. You, you say, well, God, I want a raise. I want a raise. I want a raise. He said, well, why should I give you a raise? You're not trusting me now with what you have. I know, what, I know you're just giving a piece of an offering. You're not, you're not fooling me. I'm an all-seeing God. I'm all-wise. Why you give me chump change and asking for a raise? Matter of fact, I'm going to give you a demotion. You see, so, so your, your power can corrupt. And wise is a person that knows how to wear power position, and prestige very well to the glory of God. Romans 14, 19 says, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. When you seek to affirm and appreciate your brothers and sisters in Christ, your value increases in the body of Christ. When you have a spirit of edification, a ministry of uplifting, coming alongside people who are hurting, coming alongside people who are going through trials and adversity. You know what? Your spiritual stock skyrockets in the church and in the kingdom of Almighty God. You become so valuable in the church that people will seek you out because they know you have a word from the Lord. And even at your worst, they still know how to love you in spite of. Your, your value goes up. Now, you come around people, and they, 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 they're conveniently saying, I got to go here and there, and they're walking around all the way around to avoid you. That's something wrong with your stock. Your stock ought to not be plummeting. <laughs> you know, people ought to be drawn to you because they know you have a way of saying things, even when it's truth, that will minister to them in a loving way and help them get on, on the right track without them feeling that they've been knocked down and beat up. So your value increase. Number 12, when people feel appreciated, they are more productive in their areas of responsibilities. You want to see people do more? You want to see people being maximized to the fullest in whatever they do in the Lord's church or business or wherever you are? You start appreciating people, even for the little things. Even for, don't have to be something great big, just for small things. And they will begin to do more and more. And matter of fact, they'll begin to do things you didn't even ask them to do. Because they just love you so much. They're so much appreciated until they don't only give you this, but they give you that. Because you know how to treat people. You know how to talk to people. You know how to minister to people. You know how to encourage people. And some of you need to ask God to help you to have this ministry that's so valuable in the Lord's church. In the book of Philemon 21, it says, Philemon 21 says, having confidence in your obedience. Look what, look what Paul says. I, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. <laughs> You're going to do more than what I say. And it's wonderful when we have second mile saints, saints that's willing to, to go the extra mile. You, you don't do only what you ask. You're going to do that and beyond because of your love for God, your love for the kingdom, and your love for people. It's a joy for you to serve God in this season of your life. Number 13, 
We will appreciate others more if we stop judging the failures of others and reward their successes with words of appreciation. We will appreciate others more when we stop judging the failures of others and reward their successes with words of appreciation. Uh, everybody with a, with, with a Bible, if you, ha- if you can get there fast enough, turn to Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3. This is the New American Standard. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, do not judge. We need to just underline that, those three words. Do not judge so that you will not be what? Judge. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Verse 3, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? You know, some people are so critical, so sanctimonious. If there's something wrong, they're specialists in finding it. Ooh, they split that verb. Ooh, she off key. Well, you get up there and sing. She, you get up there and sing. You know, her dress too short. Well, I tell you what, build a relationship first. Don't run to somebody and tell them they dress short. You, they ask you, what's my name? You say, I don't know. Well, you learn my name. Learn my name first before you tell me something about myself. You ain't know my name. Go talk about my dress. Earn the right to be heard. You earn the right to be heard. Build a relationship with that child, with that girl. Why you tattoo your body? Why you got all that body piercing? Listen, you're going to chase them off. That's why some churches don't have youth. You run them off. Don't touch this. Drums too loud. Sang too loud. Music too loud. Yang, yang, yang. Yang, yang, yang. Yang, yang, yang. I wish you go yang, yang, yang. Out. You're killing the spirit. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. You see, friends, refreshment and encouragement cannot come through a person who has a judgmental spirit. If you have a judgmental spirit, forget about appreciating anybody. You're going to cut them down. Then B, surrender your failures to Jesus and ask him to teach you lessons, to teach you invaluable lessons that will bless you the rest of your life. How many, how many of you in here have failed at something? I go, all my feet go up. Everything I got go up. I'll be floating after a while. God permitted that to happen. Perhaps it was something you failed to do, or perhaps you did something you weren't supposed to do. All failure is not bad. If you would only learn invaluable lessons from failure. So the best thing you can do with your failure is surrender them to the Lord and say, God, here are my failures. I'm still allowing them to beat me up. I said this to a person I shouldn't say it. I did this. I was conniving. I was deceptive. Uh, I wasn't up front. I wasn't transparent. Whatever it is, I got caught. And you go on and on and on, led before the Lord, repent, 
and then learn from that failure and learn from that sin. And then God will give you a new beginning and he knows how to pick up and restore what the locusts have eaten. Are y'all hanging with me? What is greater, listen, what is greater than your failure? Add this in there. The Lord gave me this to add in, so you just squeeze it in. What is greater than your failure or crisis? Add our crisis in there. Is your response, the word is response to it. We should glorify God even in the midst of our failures. Maybe you haven't failed, but maybe you're just in a crisis. It is not the crisis. The failure, even though it has happened, the real issue is how are you going to respond to it? Huh? We already know what has happened. And listen, when you when something has happened, once you've acknowledged it, don't, don't keep calling yourself that. That's right. And don't let folk keep labeling, put those past labels on you from your past. Tell them, that's what I used to be, but I ain't fat anymore. I am redeemed. I've been bought with a price. Jesus has changed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Jesus has changed my whole life. If anybody asks me just who I am, I'm going, what? Tell them. I'm what? I'm redeemed. You don't remind me of my past. I know who I am and whose I am right now. So don't go there on me. Talking about my past like you don't have a skeleton in your closet. Be careful about telling on folk too. You got little birdies around here. You know stuff on folk who've been delivered from years ago. And now, oh, I remember. And they want to bring up, hush your mouth. I don't receive it and I'm not that. You just shit talking up that. That's not helping you nor me. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. And I'm delivered. I'm delivered. Don't let folk go there on you. Then put you in a brand new guilt trip. So, so, oh God, what is greater than your failure or your crisis is your response to it. We should glorify God. That's the word. Glorify God even in the midst of our failures, even in the midst of our crisis. And there's a great scripture in the book of Job chapter 2 verse 10. In Job chapter 2 verse 10. If you can find that scripture, you need to highlight it and write it or bracket it in or something. That scripture is incredible. It ministers to me every time I, I read it. It's one of my favorite verses. Look what it says. Job chapter 2, verse 10. But he said to her, talking about Mrs. Job, okay? I'm Mrs. Job. You know, she was coming down on him. You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. He didn't call, (laughs) he was calling her a fool indirectly, you know. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? Huh? Long as things are happening, the children are doing well, wife doing well, marriage doing well, a little money in the bank. Happy, 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 happy. Happy, happy, happy. Happy, happy ever after happy. But don't let the doctor give a wrong report. 
Don't let that car accident happen. Don't let that separation that you didn't realize is going to happen, happen. Don't let that person betray you. And all of a sudden, you're mad at the person. You're mad at God. You're mad at the church. You tuck your tail and run and can't be found. But Job asked her a great question. Miss Job, honey, shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. It's not always Job. Now, Job had just lost everything. So, so he was in a crisis. But the issue is not the crisis as much as it is your response in the crisis. That's what testifies to the depth of your Christianity and to the depth of your relationship with Jesus Christ. A couple of more and we'll be done. Number 14, shower words of appreciation today before death takes away your opportunity to bless others and your words are left unheard. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13a says, but exhort one another daily. Build each other up daily, in other words, while it is called today. James chapter 4, verse 14 says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It will even, it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Life is short. Your life is but a vapor. You see it momentarily. Shh. Gone. And so many have died, leaving invaluable words that should have been said unheard. Un Listen, you can cry. You know why some people in funerals, they hollering and screaming, trying to get in the casket, trying to open it. Then they want to open it at the beginning of the funeral, want to open it at the end of the funeral, get to the grave site, want to open it again. Ah! Really, there were a lot of words that should have been said to bless that person who's gone. And those words were left unheard. It's not just a person's gone. It was some things that were, that were left undone. Some things that were left unsaid. Or perhaps you were estranged and you died without, the person died without you making up. Now you can't, the opportunity is gone. You say, well, what, what if I, what if somebody died and I didn't say what I should have said and now I can't get it? I can't fix it, Pastor. What do you have to say for me? Uh, I got a lesson from Charles Stanley so many years ago. I was looking at television. You know what he did? He said, if, you, if, if, if your relative loved one whomever died and you didn't say words that should have been said that was so precious and valuable, he said, I'll tell you what you do. He said, I want you to get your chair and set that chair right there and you sit right in front of that chair and you talk to them as if they were really there. And you say, Joe, Shirley, whoever it is, you know something? I was wrong about this and that and I should have told you. But right now, I'm being reconciled to you right now, and I ask you to forgive me. You just begin to talk those words out, and healing will come to you as you begin to 
pour that out as if the person was still there so that relief and healing and hope can come to you. And I thought that was very unique and very strange, but it's very, very good because God don't want you to live in eternal guilt. Amen? Number 15, one whose spirit is heavy, burdened, and oppressed can be lifted and unshackled through the ministry of appreciation and encouragement. One whose spirit is what? Heavy, burdened, and oppressed can be lifted and unshackled through the ministry of appreciation and encouragement. Second Timothy chapter one, verses 16 through 18, it says, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. And he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, look, underline this. He sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Paul was in jail and Onesiphorus was not ashamed of his chains. I want to say something about that. First of all, unconditional love will affirm and refresh those who are going through tragedy, tribulation, and trouble. You love folk. Yeah, they may have gotten caught on crack. It might be your child. Uh, yeah, they may have done this or stolen this or deceived or whatever it is. I don't care how bad it is. Your unconditional love must never run out because you should love in a Christ-like way. Jesus loved us at our worst, saved us in our despicable, wretched condition. He didn't wait till we could get it right because he knew we couldn't. That's why he came to do what we couldn't do. And that's to save us with his shed blood and redeem us by the blood of his power. Unconditional love will affirm and refresh those who are going through tragedy, tribulation, and trouble. That's when they really need to experience unconditional. I told you so. You didn't listen to me. Now look at yourself. And so stay. Make your bed hard and got to lay in it. How many? Uh-huh. And you know, you just sit there with your little cocky self like you've had it all together. And listen, when your children make a mess, your children going to make a mess. They human. They got a sin nature. They got it from you. That's right. They inherited it from you. Don't act like you've never been a teenager and stop acting like you've never gotten yourself in trouble. Matter of fact, you've done stuff your mama don't know. Even your mama gone. Won't y'all say amen? Don't you? Haven't you done something your parents don't know to this day? Some of y'all need to get a chair and talk to your mama. Second, oh God. Never are we to rejoice in the hardships and trials of others, for you do not know what crisis you're about to encounter. I don't care what a person is going to listen, say, you know what? I know this is tough and I know this is hard, but with God 
in prayer. We gonna hang together. We don't know what the end's gonna be, but trouble don't last always. And this too shall pass. Give them hope. Don't push them over the edge. Some of you may have caused a person to commit suicide and you don't know you were prompting them toward it by your cold words. Don't rejoice in somebody else's fault. I don't care. You know, Saddam Hussein, as bad as he was, when that man was hung, I didn't rejoice in that. Although he had killed all those people, killed us all, the death, done all that stuff, I did. I still said, Lord, have mercy on Saddam. Listen, nobody ought to get so bad that you can't pray for their salvation. And you ought to, well, he getting what he deserved. He killed all those other people. Yeah, that may be true. But God, listen, there's a judgment day for, listen, for all of us. Either you're going to stand before God at the bame of judgment or you're going to stand in a law state before the great white throne judgment. But all of us are going to have our deeds accounted for. Huh? But last but not the least, it is through times of adversity that you discover who your true friends really are. Onesiphorus was a genuine friend who made a trip from Ephesus to Rome and persisted. He had difficulty finding Paul. Paul was not easy to find. <laughs> he persisted in looking for Paul until he found him in a Roman prison chained to a Roman soldier. Onesiphorus refreshed Paul and was not ashamed of Paul's shame. Anybody can be a fair weather friend. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But oh, when that cancer set in, or when trouble comes into my life that I've brought on myself, can you stand with me and love on me and pray for me and give me words of hope and encouragement to get through perhaps the mess that I even brought on myself? You know, the, the Bible says in Galatians 6, 1, thereabout, he say, Brother, overtaking the sin, you with gentleness and meekness, you restore. You restore. And all God's children said. As Pastor Rander concludes this message, let us resolve to obey God with praise and worship according to his word. Why should we? Because he is our creator. He has made us and fashioned us. He is our shepherd. And we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We hear his voice and he knows us and we follow him. There is none other like him. If you enjoy Pastor Rander's teaching of the inerrant word of God, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church in Converse, Texas.